This place is special. Get asked all the time, where's your favorite place to take college game day? And I say every time, Eugene, Oregon. Yeah. This is the best crowd. Honestly, it's six in the morning here. Yeah. It's dark. Yeah. It's raining. They don't care. <laughs> These fans right here, pound for pound, are as good as any college football fans in the country. This program is staged to compete and to win championships. Oregon is going to be in the championship game. Can you believe the magical season this has become? When we watch this film, does our effort beat theirs? Here's Bo Nix. Guns been making deposits. Time to cash a check. Sound at Austin, which is deafening for an Oregon 15-point win. Chip Kelly still does not have a win against his former school, and we say farewell. Man, it feels great to be a duck. Welcome to the QB11 Show, presented by Scoop Duck, with Doug, Andrew, and J-Hop. Here are the guys with the latest scoop. Welcome back to the QB11 show presented by Scoop Deck. I am Doug Scott, joined, of course, by QB11. How are you, Andrew? I'm doing good, Doug. How are you doing today? I'm good. Uh, we haven't put out an episode in a while. I, I know we've our fans have been fans. That's weird to say. <laughs> that seems funny to say. Yeah. It is weird to say. <laughs> I feel I feel like a pompous douche now. Yeah, you are. Um, one. That's okay, though. Our, our listeners, our loyal listeners, um, have been clamoring for content so uh, well if you, know, you guys are clamoring for more qb11 content i'll uh I'll, i will be tweeting out the link to my feet finder account so you guys can buy some toe picks <laughs> I, I can't think of anything I better to get your is, is going, going swimmingly so far. I, I i've been no, a, but... i've been a little busy doing some photography of my toes and like i just can't think of a better gift for you guys to get your loved ones this holiday season so uh, 9.99 a month no, I'm kidding. Join, join your no, no, that's good. So no, but um, you know, we took a little bit of time after I think we we talked about the championship game. Uh, I did a quick episode with Justin a while back on kind of transfer portal and and recruiting stretch run, and then you know obviously the Dylan Gabriel commitment hit. We we'll talk about that today, uh, as well as a few other things. But you know, mostly it was also a little bit of time. Like you know, we run two three episodes a week, you know, all through the season. So you know, it's a little bit of time to to take a little breather and, and uh, we'll continue to bring content all year round, of course, but you know, the, there won't be the, the same breakneck p- pace as there is during the season, but obviously here for this month, we got a lot to talk about with signing day coming up in a week and portal portal action hitting hot and heavy uh, both in and out. And um, so we'll cover all that, of course, and all the other breaking news for everyone to follow. But I mean, the most important thing QB is, is, uh, you know, the real reason we haven't recorded in a while is we've been in contract negotiations for your renewal. (laughs) And uh, it it took us a while to come to an agreement, but we've, we've managed to up your pay from one coffee a week to two coffees a week. So congratulations on that. Two coffees a week and a half smoked pack of cigarettes. And so I think, uh... I think they're premium right like you can get the upgrade you can get the extra fancy milk and, and some extra like shots or if you want <laughs> that too. would be sweet oh my gosh if, if we got enough listeners to where i could get two cups of coffee a week off of our revenue <laughs> that I, I would record every day um all right challenge has been uh has been laid out there folks <laughs> the uh the, the funny thing is it's like I, I think everybody knows that this time of year is just crazy you got holiday parties like i know um just a bunch of like family stuff, travel, um, work 
doesn't stop despite everything else going on in the world. And so it's just tough to get on the same page. Like I know you got a lot going on. I've had plenty and then getting on the same page with Day too for that episode that's upcoming. So um, more content will be coming specifically surrounding signing day next week. Um, and then again, be on the lookout for the Day episode probably in the next week or so as well. Yeah. All right. So let's let's get into it because I know we we don't have a, a, an exceptionally long amount of time, so I want to make sure we get into. Let's start with Dylan Gabriel QB. So obviously uh, he committed to Oregon pretty quickly after the portal opened. You know, he's a. I talked about him on the last episode. I kind of ran off all his stats and his history, but this will be his sixth year of, of college football. Had the COVID year, had a redshirt year, so. Um, started 49 games he's the eighth leading passer of all time in college football so this the kid's got a ton of experience we talked about all that tell us how you know give us your scouting report tell us how he fits in with the Oregon offense and Will Stein yeah um I think this was so like going throughout the year you and I had several conversations off off record off the record about like who who are we going to be targeting as a portal quarterback because we had been letting out pretty early on like last summer that like they were for sure going to be targeting a, a portal quarterback again this year. Um, and it was really tough for me to identify an obvious guy like, Hey, like this is going to be a really good player in the portal. And then as the season started to end, it was like, okay, well, Cam Ward will be available. Um, we'll, we'll see what else comes. Like there was obviously Will Howard, uh, Riley Leonard. Once, once Mike Elko moved became somewhat of an obvious one. Uh, and then the one that, now in hindsight was like so blatantly obvious and the best possible fit didn't seem obvious at the time because I just assumed he would go pro was Dylan Gabriel. Um, and so now with hindsight as a, as a tool looking at this, it's like, first of all, this is such an obviously great fit. He grew up a massive Oregon fan, um, grew up like in, in the shadow of Marcus Mariota. It's on the West coast. We play at Hawaii to open the season. So he'll get to be able to play at home in front of all of his family. And then from a skill set standpoint, it's like a seamless transition and a, and a perfect fit for what uh, not only Oregon did this year, but what I think Stein would like to do going forward. Um, skill set wise, so 5'11", 205 pounds, good athlete, like a plus runner for certain, uh, high three-quarter delivery, lefty, so that'll be a little, take a little getting used to. Um, but just a really accurate passer, like super precise. I, I think... Uh, one of the things I noted in my evaluation that got posted on scoopduck.com was uh, that he doesn't have the biggest arm in the world. Um, I think whenever he gets to deeper throws late in the progression, uh, he can run out of club sometimes and underthrow things. But in general, inside of 50, 45 yards at all three levels, um, over the middle of the field, hashes, number sideline, he's extraordinarily accurate and he throws with fantastic anticipation. I mean, guy's got almost 15,000 yards and he's got 125 passing touchdowns in his career. Um, already has started 49 games. And so coming to Oregon now, he if he can stay healthy through the regular season next year, he'll break Bo Nix's record for the most starts for a college quarterback. So unbelievably experienced and seasoned, very, very accurate passer, uh, mechanically really sound foundation, can throw the ball at all three levels. I think one of the things that really st- stuck out to me was the anticipation he throws with um, – both uh, primarily across the middle of the field. And I know that was an area that at times it didn't seem like the staff trusted Bo to throw this year. Uh, but the other thing that really st- stood out to me was the the touch that he has on the deep ball. Like for a guy, he doesn't have a massive arm. Um, his ball placement and is very, very, very good. 
uh, throwing downfield, which is another thing that Nick's wasn't always fantastic at. Now you're going to be losing some things with Nick's that, uh, that Gabriel can't replicate. And I think that uh, Bo, Bo Nick's ability to uh, escape pressure and scramble is as good or better than any quarterback we've ever had. Uh, and, and while I like Dylan Gabriel's ability to move within the pocket, and I think he's a good athlete as a runner, his his twitch, spatial awareness, body control, and escapability is not the same as Bo's. Uh, but the other thing I'll say that with that is that Dylan will um, make uh, – he, he does a really good job, and I think he has to because he's a smaller quarterback. He's only 5'11". He does a really good job of making smaller micro adjustments within the pocket. Like he'll, sl- he'll, he'll slide one way or another, step up and climb the pocket uh, to create either a throwing, uh, a throwing window, an angle, or space while going through his progression. Uh, watching his Oklahoma tape, he, he, he does a really good job getting through his progressions. He's, he's a full field passer. So it's not like Oklahoma was just running a lot of single reads or half field reads like he was running full progression concepts and so uh again just from a fit standpoint like he i think he'll allow us to push the ball vertically more than we did this year um i think he's a really accurate passer he's a good decision maker in the rpo game which fits with the efficiency standpoint of our offense um and he and he's a plus runner so if you want to uh implement some quarterback run stuff into your schemes uh he can he can execute that as he he ran very effectively at, at Oklahoma and UCF. So overall like this is pretty clearly to me the best transfer quarterback in the portal. Um he's the he's the highest floor guy. Um I I think Cam Ward is probably the only guy with a higher ceiling, but I I, I don't think that I would trust Cam Ward to run the offense with the same level of efficiency just given the amount of weapons that we have. So uh really, really like this pickup and I think if you could pair it with a Dante Moore pickup uh would be probably the best transfer quarterback class ever. Yeah, I was going to segue to the Dante Moore thing, and, and but before I do, I did want to touch on the Cam Ward thing a little bit because I agree with you. And, you know, it, it kind of early on, kind of before the portal opened, you know, we were hearing a lot of scuttle in the last couple of weeks of the season that Cam Ward to Oregon might are, might already be a thing or might be a thing once the portal opened. And I, I'm going to be honest, like, I was kind of working hard to talk myself into the idea of Cam Ward. And it's not, I, I agree with you. Like, obviously he's a productive quarterback and I, you know, he's very highly coveted, but I've watched a lot of him the last two years. I probably watched eight or nine of their games this year. And he, you know, he's very boomer bust, right? A lot of volatility in his game. You know, he'll either be, really great or really bad. Um, and sometimes in the same game, he'll hit both of those extremes, right? So the consistency aspect is is huge. Uh, the other thing about Ward that that I didn't like was he takes a lot of sacks um, and a lot of bad sacks and the fact that, like, he turns he turns what could be either a throwaway or or a, or even a five-yard sack in, in the worst-case scenario or maybe just to even getting out and scrambling, he'll turn it into like a 10-yard or 12-yard sack so often because he's like, back, you know, he backpedals and backpedals and backpedals or he, run, or he runs around and then reverses course and runs back the other way because he's trying to make something happen and then all of a sudden he's you're, you're staring at a 12-yard loss. And some of that has uh, to do I, with the Washington State talent, right? Sure. Um but, the but, thing, but some of that's also your what your what he does and what your coach do and what you instinctually do in those moments, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the one thing about uh, Dylan Gabriel is, if you look how he performed in key moments, like key drives at the end of games, he's unbelievably clutch. But he also like he'll stand in and deliver a ball, like he'll deliver a strike, 
I think the Texas game is a perfect example of that from this year. If you go back and watch, you want to watch some film on Dylan Gabriel. I think that's an excellent game because was it perfect all game? No, but he made, he made a ton of big throws and when it counted most, he, he led them down the field and and threw an absolute strike into pressure um, as a pretty small quarterback. So I, I think it's a great fit. I think that like this means to me that our offense should absolutely stay in the top 10, probably the top five next year. Um, and and I think that it it gives us a really nice bridge to a potential Dante Moore or somebody else next in the following series. Yeah, the, just for reference, Oregon's offense this year. And again, there's different metrics and systems you look at, but you know all the all the analytics models that that we follow SP plus FEI F plus, you know, and then also just some raw scoring scoring drive you know points per drive, you know those kind of things. Oregon's offense this year. Uh, never fell below the top three. It was actually top one. It was one for most of the second half of the season and then ended up tailing off and, and ending up second behind LSU and most of those systems. So uh, just, that's just reference point. And, and I, I agree with you. I think with the weapons coming back, with the offensive line, with the things that are happening in the portal and with Dylan Gabriel, obviously, first and foremost, that I don't expect a ton of drop off in this offense at all going into next year. Maybe not any. Yeah. All right. Um, Dante Moore, let's move on to that. So, yeah, the he is visiting Oregon, I believe, starting tomorrow on Thursday. Um, apparently, as was reported today, over on On3, um, this is the only visit he currently has scheduled, which is uh, pretty, pretty interesting, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, it's very interesting. And I think if I, I don't have any inside information on this, but I'm putting myself in his shoes. You make a mistake, you flip away from Oregon, you see what Bo Nix does this year, how the offense develops under Will Stein. Um, do you do you want to take that risk again and try to go somewhere else? Do you want to go play in a system that's not as complementary to your skill set at like a Michigan or a Miami? Um, or you take it on the chin, own your mistake, come to Oregon, redshirt, learn the system, and then take over for two years after that and go to the NFL. And and I think that like that decision, especially especially after making the mistake that Dante Moore made and like having the guts to acknowledge it on his behalf and, and come visit Oregon again. I think to me that says that he knows, especially as the first visit with no other visits scheduled. I I think that means that he knows that he made a mistake and he wants to make it right. Yeah. I think he, I think he loved everything about Oregon. Right. And I think, you know, whatever happened, you know, late in that cycle with the flip, I think obviously, NIL, whatever UCLA was offering was probably a big part of that. But the other big part of it was Kenny leaving, right? And that was the guy that had recruited him for years, right? Even before Kenny was at Oregon. And I think that that kind of tipped the scale. And, and I think that left some uncertainty with him and, and his people that like, oh, hey, is is Oregon, is Oregon's offense going to fall off with, with Kenny leaving? Is Will Stein going to be able to continue it? And I think the fact that Obviously, Oregon's offense didn't miss a beat at all, and and again, there's differences between the two coordinators, and they're both excellent, right? But I think that that kind of now that's been proven to him, and then all the all the aspects you mentioned about, you know, owning his mistake, probably regretting his decision. If if all the other things about Oregon he loved are still there, which they are, and that uncertainty about well, what about this new OC is now been alleviated by watching for a year, then it it makes a ton of sense and. 
The only other spot that he's been connected with that would make any kind of sense at all for what he's talked about looking for, which is developing and getting developed and being prepared for the next level. Like you could make a case for Michigan. Now, they're not going to throw the ball like the, like the way that Oregon will and like some of other option schools. But you, but it'd be hard. You, I, I think you could make a case that they're going to. He could go there and get developed and be prepared for the NFL behind JJ McCarthy. But is that would he rather play in that kind of offense or would he rather play in an offense like Will Stein and Oregon has? Yeah, and also there's some rumors that like there's like sour taste in the Michigan staff's mouth after the way it went down last year. So. It, it would seem like a <laughs> cut off your nose to spite your face cut move, out, yeah. but that's also very Jim Harbaugh. So that wouldn't surprise me either. And I think that's credit to Oregon too. Like it's, I mean, I will give Dante more credit that like he, if he's willing to come back and take a visit and, and look all these guys in the face that he spurned, not just coaches and staff, but players too that are on the team still. It also speaks well of Oregon and Dan Landing and their coaching staff to say, hey, look, that that's in the past. We understand you made a decision. You're here now. Let's all move forward together. Right. Like that, that, that I just more evidence of why this staff gets it. They understand the game and the long game and, and all of this stuff and what the stupid stuff to like sweep, like put in the past and leave there. Right. Cause it doesn't fucking matter. Oops. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I agree. I mean, and, and like, that's the thing. It's okay. So what happened last year happened. Um, and this is why finishing second in the portal era is not always the worst thing, right? Um, yep. And so you you finish second in the recruitment out of high school. Um, he thinks that he's making a better decision for himself. He goes out. He goes out there, experiences it, figures out that's not the case. Priorities change, timelines change. All of a sudden, he's willing to sit and, and learn um, and develop. I think after maybe cracking his confidence a little bit this year, and it, like this would be a soft landing for him, surrounded by people he's comfortable with, by a staff he's comfortable with. Um, and, and playing for a really talented team that um, is poised to have staying power over the next four to five years. Absolutely. So we'll see where that happens. Obviously, you know, he hasn't committed yet. He's coming on the visit. We'll see if he does commit to Oregon, if he takes other visits and where that lands. And um, let's talk a little bit more portal here, QB. Uh, Oregon has had eight players enter the portal uh, since it opened. Uh, So quarterback Ty Thompson has left, obviously seeing the writing on the wall that he's not the future here uh, after three years. And then three wide receivers, uh, Chris Hudson, no big surprise. You know, really his playing time fell off a cliff this year with the new players that came in. Also receiver Josh Delgado, similar situation. And then freshman receiver Ashton Cozart, who was a class of 23, uh, you know, one year on campus. He's going, I think he committed today back uh, somewhere in Texas. Uh, I don't remember the school, though. SMU. He's going to Mm -hmm. SMU, I think. And then uh, on the defensive side of the ball, another class of 2023 uh, nose tackle Tavita Palme, Palme is has hit the portal as well as safeties. Uh, Brian Addison, who obviously we know left the team mid year and then safety Damon David, who I can't remember. I think he might've been class of 21 or 22 kind of weird career at Oregon. Hasn't played a whole lot, but hit the portal previously seemed to have been gone from campus for quite some time, then reappeared magically has been on the team since rather quietly. And now he's back in the portal again. So wish him well. And then obviously um, super senior Triquez bridges also hit the portal. And I believe he committed somewhere. He was, where's he going? 
He committed uh, somewhere today, too. Did he? I didn't see him commit. Or this week. Uh, maybe I'm confusing him with Brian Addison. He posted, Brian Addison is, he, posted yeah. a, he posted a picture from his Florida visit, but my understanding was he was taking more visits. That's he, it. Brian he, Addison committed back to UCLA, where he originally um, committed to and, and um, signed his NLI to, or National Letter of Intent to, back out of 2018, I believe. Then didn't qualify because he missed some class that UCLA required, and that's how he ended up at Oregon in the first place. So now he's going back to UCLA as well. So good luck to him there. And that's it on the portal front so far. I expect, as we know, with the roster count and the scholarship count and incoming freshmen and transfers that are likely going to be coming in as well, there will there will have to be more portal departures. It seems like maybe those have quieted for the meantime, and maybe we'll see some more after the bowl game, or do you expect more maybe even before then? I think it'll probably, like in terms of the the exodus, it'll probably stem until after the bowl game. Uh, but just looking at the scholarship count, the amount of guys that we're pursuing in the portal um, and the amount of guys that we're still pursuing from the prep ranks, I anticipate that there's there has to be, by what, six to eight more guys? Yeah, I've got to say... If I've got us at um, basically nine, 89 right now, um, which is four over, but that's not considering any additional porter, uh, portal transfers in or high school commitments, and we obviously expect more of each. So, yeah, yeah I think we're already Frank- four over. We're probably going to need – yeah, I, I have some depart- probably planned departures in as well. I do think we're in the probably five to six range, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean – yeah, there, I, I think it'll be after the bowl game. Um, I think most of the kids that are left on the roster that would leave would have no problem finding a spot after the bowl game. So uh, I think what they'll do is take advantage of the opportunity to get good film, especially some of these positions where um, guys are hurt or sitting out for the bowl game for whatever reason. So um, I think I think those players will capitalize on that opportunity to get some more good film that they could send out to coaches. So uh I think yeah. that we're probably done with transfers out until following the game against Liberty. Yeah, that seems likely. And certainly I don't expect Oregon to have nearly as many transfers out as they did last year, as we've talked about at length on the no. show in the past. The reasons why that was that was good last year and the reasons why that is not going to be the norm going forward. So they're at eight right now. If we expect that number to hit 15, that's going to be about a third of, of what it was last year. So, and I think that's probably approaching more of a normal year uh, kind of going forward. Yeah. And, and I think that like, even that will probably trim down a little bit in years to come. Um, yeah. So I think, I think we'll settle in low, play. Double, low double digits, I think is probably yeah, eight, where I would eight to expect. 11 or 12, yeah. I think is probably where things will find equilibrium. QB, do you want to uh, review some of our preseason picks and prognostications and see who was Karnak and who was uh, Absolutely not so not. smart? I don't, but we're going to anyway. Yeah. Let's start, actually, though, with our, if you remember, way back when, we did a a player draft, a Pac-12 player draft. We drafted quarterbacks, running backs, and wide receivers. Um, And my roster versus your roster, and we decided we would review after the season to see who has the better roster. All right, let's do it. So, all right. Uh, We can, I'll read the, the names at each position, and then you tell me who you think won this position, and and then if we disagree, we can fight about it. Um, Quarterback, you drafted Caleb Williams, Cam Rising, and Dante Moore. 
Um, and I drafted Bo Nix, Michael Penix, and Shadur Sanders. Well, you win because you had two Heisman finalists in Shadur Sanders, and I had Cam Rising, who didn't play a snap all year, Dante Moore, who had a weird season with Chip, and Caleb Williams, who wasn't as good as he was the year before. So you absolutely dominated me at quarterback. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think this is where you're going to get even now at running back. Um, I had Carson Steele, um, Marshawn Lloyd. Um, who I don't even know what team with Jackson. I just got Jackson. Who's Jackson? Oh, J- Jaquinda Jackson out of Utah. So, and uh, Dylan Johnson out of Washington, who ended up probably being the best of the four, and he was my last pick. Yeah, out of all four of those. I mean, Jaquinda uh, Jackson. In fact, he was, was the lo- hurt most of the year. Yeah, so uh, Steele was okay. Lloyd was okay. Actually, Lloyd was pretty good, but they didn't use him enough. He was also hurt, and then. And he was also hurt. And then uh, on your side of the ledger, uh, Bucky Irving. Yep. Um, Damian Martinez. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's looking pretty good, right? Um, Alton McCaskill out of Colorado. Uh, that one didn't hit. Yeah, he got hurt. And Jaden Ott. And Jaden Ott out of Cal. So, so I got the I think, three best backs uh, in the league. Got it. Okay. Yeah, I think you pretty convincingly won that one. Uh, so I think we got to tie break this on the wide receiver side of the equation. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think you got me here as well. Uh, I've got Dorian Singer, Troy Franklin, uh, Jalen McMillan, who was hurt most of the year. I have Cowing, and I have J. Michael Sturdivant. Which means that I have so, T-Mac and Polk, or T-Mac, Odunze, who else? Uh, you had T-Mac, Odunze, Travis Hunter, uh, Zachariah Branch and uh, Williams. Yeah, Mario Williams didn't do anything, but I win with the other four. Yeah, I'd say Rome and T Mac and Hunter versus Franklin, Cowing, Sturdivant, and Singer. Yeah, I, I think you got that one. Yeah, so you're going to take the overall title here. I think it was close, but you're you're going to take it. Thankfully, it's the first thing I've won all year. <laughs> this was not a all good right, year who- for me. <laughs> Uh, moving on, we had Pac-12 over-unders. Uh, I hit on five out of 12. You hit on six out of 12. Um, I, I was correct on Oregon over, UW over, Utah under, Washington State under, Arizona State under. You were correct on the Oregon. Actually, you hit more than I said. You were correct on the Oregon over as well. Okay. Uh, you were also so you actually got seven out of twelve. Um, I missed actually no. You also got you dub. I don't know how I marked this wrong. You got eight out of twelve. QB. You got Oregon over. You got uh, UW over. You got UCLA over. No, that one hit under. I don't know how I marked these. I don't know. You got Utah under. You got the Oregon State push. Washington State under. ASU under and Colorado over. Good job on that one. I missed it. Uh, your misses were the Stanford under, um, the Cal under. We all missed on that one, and the Arizona under. I don't know why you would have picked Arizona under, but you and I both picked Arizona under. We both missed badly on that one, and we we both missed USC. We had the over on their nine and a half, so which was a bad miss there as well. Yeah, I went nine and three. Um, you missed you you missed USC. You missed Arizona, and I missed Stanford. You missed Cal and Stanford, so you went eight three and eight four and one because there was a, you had a push teams. on Oregon State. That There's would, only twelve would, teams. Yeah, so that doesn't. 
Eight, eight, four, and one would be thirteen. Seven, seven, four, and one. Then sorry. Oh, okay, that's fine. I'll take yeah. that. That's not bad. Yeah, that's not bad. Not bad at all. All right, on the national side, I'm not going to name them all, but we we picked thirty two over unders. Um, you got seventeen. This is not including Pac-12, so this is the other four Power Five leagues. You hit on seventeen, and you got fifteen wrong, so you were just uh, just in the winning money there. I was the other way around. I had 15 right and 17 wrong. Um, the ones we were different on, you had North Carolina under. I had them over. I had Miami under. You had them over. So you got that one. Uh, you got both of those, actually. Uh, where else were we different? Um, Pitt and North and NC State, you got both of those correct. I got both of those wrong. That should be the whole difference. I got I got the Ohio. Well, there's some flips the other way too because oh, I've got the Ohio. I got Ohio State on the over. You had them under. Um, Maryland, you had the over. I won on the under. And the other Florida, I had over missed on that. You hit the under on them. And Baylor, seven and a half was the number on Baylor. Seven and a half. They won three games. QB. And somehow I picked the over on seven and a half with Baylor. So. <laughs> I'm clearly not good at this. I don't know. You you only lost by two. We also both had t- TCU on the over. So yeah, that, that was, was bad. bad. That one's bad. Well, I didn't. <laughs> it I was mean, only seven and a half, though. It seemed reasonable they would win eight games at least, right? Yeah, they were bad, though. Yeah, they were really were. And I I kind of um, had a I had a like a hunch that Chandler Morris sucked, and I should have just rolled with that. I don't know. Should have rolled with your hunch. Yeah. All right. Last set of prognostications. We picked our participants in all five of the Pac-12 or all five of the Power Five title games, as well as the winner of it, and our playoff participants. Um, ACC. You had Florida State and Clemson. I also had Florida State and Clemson, so we both had half of that one right. Um, you had Florida State winning, so congrats. Ooh. I picked Clemson to win, so miss for me there. In the SEC, you had LSU versus Georgia with Georgia winning. So, again, you got the Georgia participation right, but the wrong West winner and the wrong conference winner. I actually had Alabama versus Georgia, so I got both of the participants correct, but I picked Georgia to win, so I got that one wrong. In the Big Ten, you had Wisconsin versus Penn State. Penn State winning, so struck out on all three. That was bad. I had Wisconsin versus Ohio State with Ohio State winning, so I also struck out on all three. Uh, apparently, we know the least about the conference we're about to join QB, so that's, that's not great. great. Not great. Uh, Big 12, we both had Texas versus Oklahoma with Texas winning, so we both got the the winner right. We both missed on their, the uh, the the participant. I think you wrote it down wrong. I think I, had, I think I had Texas versus Oklahoma State. I think you just forgot to write the state down. Oh, is that it? Is that it? Yeah. I could go back and listen to the tape if you want. Uh, no, there's no need to do that. Just take my word for it. Oh, okay. I'll take your word for it. Sure. Uh, and then on the Pac-12 side, we both had Oregon in the game. We both had Oregon winning the game. So we got part of that right. The first part of that right. We both had USC as the opponent, however. So we both missed on that one. Um, yeah, maybe our maybe our bias against Washington uh, blinded us. I don't know. Or maybe yeah. the fact that UCLA, USC just sucked even more than we expected. Well, I mean, their didn't defense help. didn't get better, and I don't know how that's possible, but it, it didn't. And their offense got worse. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's not a good combo. 
Um, you had your 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 college football playoff lineup was number one seed Georgia, which was you know pretty close to happening. Um, number two seed Penn State, number three seed Oregon, again fairly close to happening, and you had the number four seed Texas. So you got Texas right as a participant. You had the seeding wrong, but who cares? Um, I also had Georgia, Ohio State, Oregon, and Texas. So again, I only got one of those four correct. Um, and neither one of us are going to uh, win on our selections of the champion because we both picked Georgia to three-peat. So um, not our finest work, QB. I feel dumb. Well, it's college football, right? I just wish, I don't know. We should have beat Washington, but here we are. Twice losing. Here seven. we yeah, Three times, actually. Here we are. I don't know. Last year's a different year. Twice this year. Uh, the last thing to mention here as we go through is the the final tally of our week by week picks. And we're going to do this. We've talked about this offline. We're going to do this differently next year. We'll talk about that format and next year rolls around. But you uh, got 72 correct picks, 79 incorrect picks which was the same as Justin, who also had 72 correct picks and 79 incorrect picks. Um, so, and I f- came in with 69 correct and 82 incorrect. So uh, that's three uh, games behind both of you. Being close to 50% on, like when you're picking that many straight up matchups before season where you don't know what's going to happen with injuries, like that's not terrible. No, no, these were these were like adding up our weekly picks against the spread. Oh, 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 never mind, never mind, never mind. Yeah, yeah, no problem. So we were just under 50%. But again, they were games that you did not get. You didn't, you weren't picking the games you were picking. I was saying, this is the game you must pick. So well, you wouldn't, uh, yeah. it's not the way you would gamble. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, it's not, again, like being close to 50%, whatever. That's fine. Like when you're, when you're picking the quantity of games that we picked, um, again, specifically when you're like forced to pick every, every game in conference play. Um, when you don't know yeah. that, like, you don't really feel like you have an edge. Like, I'll take that. Shoot, I probably like bad. if we're being honest. Like, I probably won just as many that I wasn't confident in as I did as I did that I was. So, <laughs> probably ends up being the same. Yeah, yeah it's a wash. Uh, so I I think by the rules of the tiebreaker, since you and Justin both tied, I think you're both disqualified, and I win. I think that's how the that's tiebreaker fine. rules work. That I think works. that's the fine print. I mean, you, read, you so. also cut the checks for my coffee now, so you can <laughs> do whatever you want to do. Yeah, sounds good. All right, I'll give you some extra creamer. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Pause, pause, pause. What? Never mind. Go ahead. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to cover and kind of reviewing kind of as we put a bow on the season? Obviously, we're going to have Hithel Day on. We'll get, we're still working out the details of when we can all – meet together and record, but we'll have him on to do like the full, full deal rundown that we always do. And I know that'll be a very popular episode, but uh, you know, as we lead into, let's just talk about like playoffs. Like we got, we got Texas versus Washington. We got Bama versus Michigan. We don't have to like go through a full rundown of the game, but like gut, what's your gut tell you who wins those games and who wins the whole thing? Uh, Texas Washington feels pretty coin flippy to me, but I, I do I like Texas at the line of scrimmage on both sides, uh, but I do prefer Penix to Ewers, so it's tough. But I think uh, I think the Fighting Steve Sarkeesians will get that one done, but it'll be a close game. Uh, in regards to Michigan-Bama, that one, I, th- I kind of lean Bama. Um, 
I just think that like if you're Michigan and you want to lean on a team, I don't know that Bama is the team you want to lean on. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're not know. Iowa. No, and 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 like Jill and Milrow has quietly become pretty like really good. Um, I, I still don't love him as a passer, but he makes enough plays with the deep ball. So I, I don't know. I think I think this is probably the most competitive fourteen playoff that we've had. I don't think that any of these games are going to be blowouts. Um, but I I definitely think I lean Texas and Bama, which would be a really fun rematch in the title game. Yeah, I definitely I definitely like Bama over Michigan. Um, I agree with you. Like Texas's defensive front is so good. Like uh, particularly against the run, like nobody runs on them. Uh, and I and Washington's not a great running team at all, even though they the last part of the year they leaned into it more and and had more success there. But it feels to me like if if Texas can kind of shut down Washington's attempts to run and force them to go one dimensional and, and and be able to pin their ears back and try to get some pressure, we've seen that also affect Penix as well. So like I know Texas's secondary is can be susceptible and and obviously with as you always talk about the battery of the quarterback and those receivers um you know it, it all it takes is a few big strikes in the passing game from Washington to 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 keep them in the game or win the game right so yeah. it is that that I'm really going to be fascinated to watch that one play out because I'm I'm really interested to see the battle on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball um and how like Washington's defense like overall wasn't good, but they they made big plays in big moments like a number of times throughout the second half of the year. We saw it against Oregon twice. We saw it against Arizona State. We saw it against Stanford. Like, and again, not all these are great teams, but like every time their defense needed a big play, they seemed to make it. Well, the, the um, thing for me so, is oh sorry, go ahead. Good no, no, that's it. You got you have two really good offensive coaches with thirty days to prepare. So I expect some big plays. Guys are gonna get schemed open. Um I, I do think that there's an edge for Texas defensively over Washington defensively. And one of the things that Oregon didn't do in the in the Pac twelve title game until late that Texas will absolutely go after all game long is is the Washington secondary deep. Uh and they're they're me. really well equipped to do that with A. D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. Dante Cook, like the whole like talk about a battery of guys, like they've they've got a they've got a very very good receiver core of their own. Uh, Jatavian Sanders, the tight ends, going to be the best tight end that Washington's seen all year. I think this is probably the best offensive line that Washington has seen all year. Um, so I don't know. I think I think Steve Sarkeesian's going to have some stuff cooked up for him. He did last year. Uh, it's kind of interesting because this is a rematch of the Alamo Bowl a year ago, but. I, I think that Quinn Ewers and in, in this these receivers are going to be able to make some plays. I think that Washington's going to be operating behind the chains a lot, and I don't think that that's true about Texas. I think Texas is going to, be able to run the ball. Texas will run the ball more, yeah, much more so than Washington will. I oh, agree. It's good. With this that. is going to like I, it, I probably if yeah. Washington wins, yeah. it's because of Penix and Odunze, um, which again, that's kind of why they've won every game this year. So, who who really knows? But I, I think that like again on paper, Texas is a better team. But does that doesn't manifest that way with this Washington team. So, yeah, I, I probably lean Texas, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Washington wins because they they have the areas they they, they their their biggest strength is is probably Texas Texas 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's a huge weakness for Texas, but it is probably the weakest part of their defense. So on the other side, at the end of the day, I think the winner of Alabama, Michigan wins the title. See, I don't probably. Who do you, so let's say a hypothetical Bama, Texas matchup. You like Texas to, to win that one again. I think so. Yeah, could be. What about Michigan, Texas? Jalen Milrow behind the chains. Again, like Texas can stop the run against pretty much anybody. Yeah, that's a good point. Now, the Michigan matchup would be interesting, um, but it's tough because, like, basically, in, in a game like that, it's like J.J. McCarthy might need to go out and win the game, and it's like, have we seen him do that this year? <laughs> no. But Michigan's really, really good. So I don't know. I want to. I want to see how the semifinals play out before I talk about the championship game. I, I just want to see how these matchups play out because it it really is like strength on strength in in both semis. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, you know, compared to like you could have, you know, you could have Michigan versus uh, Texas and Alabama versus Washington, which would be a. a a completely different set of matchups, and I kind of, I kind of like the matchups we have. I, it's they're they're more intriguing, I think. Yeah, it'll, it'll it'll be fun. All right, QB, that's all I got. No, that's perfect. Right up, right up to my bedtime, so it's time for me to roll. Yeah, I appreciate you staying up late with us, and and, and that coffee will be uh, you know nice and hot. We'll get you an extra large one in the morning. Ooh, get I get a venti. Yeah, you get a vente. Yeah, we'll, we'll spring for that. That's exciting. <laughs> Put that on the company card. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. We're glad to be back with you. We will be back soon uh, with more content. We'll cover the portal. We'll cover signing day next week. We'll get Justin back on for that. We'll get Hithleday's uh, review on. So lots of good stuff coming up over the next couple of weeks before the holidays hit. He's at QB11SD on X or Twitter, as the olds call it. I am at Douglas TS. Follow the pod. We're inching closer to a thousand. You still haven't got us over the hump. Please get us there at QB11 show. That's it. Good night. Talk to you soon.